0: Welcome to week eleven of the Punt Return Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Nick Splitter. Nick, how are you going, mate?
1: Yeah, good mate. It's uh it's a hot day in Melbourne. It's been thirty plus for the first time in a little while and uh yeah, feeling it. How are you going? So the weather the weather's good.
0: Uh yeah, the weather's great, gone good. Uh solid week, but NFL-wise, NFL NFL picking-wise, I'm I'm probably in the biggest rut I've had in in a long time, Uh, zero and six on the last two weeks after starting 16, seven and one after the first eight weeks of the season, so... Yeah, it's it's been a brutal couple of weeks on on the uh, on the betting front, um, but you know, it's little things, it you know, and it's all about <laughs> staying disciplined. And, and as Joel Embiid once says, trust the process. And <laughs> you know, I just got to stick stick with my numbers. And I think that was part of what I went wrong the last couple of weeks is I led into narratives and and certain things too much rather than just sticking with what my ratings are on teams and, and trusting what the numbers suggest. So I'm going back to the the chalkboard here. And there's some ugly players that I like this week and I'll probably continue my rut. But um, if, it, if it's the formula I went well with the first eight weeks, then I'll, then I'll
1: stick with it. Sounds fair. I mean, it, every punter goes through it. Like God knows I've been through it. I went through it earlier, um, not that long ago. So it's uh, it happens to everyone. And, and any punter or any uh, tout that says that they don't do it, that it doesn't happen to them, they're a liar. So don't trust them. The good thing is the football is still fun and,
0: and good to watch, and uh, and we'll get into week ten uh, in a minute. But first, uh, from a sportscaster media, you're a uh, CEO, COO, owner, operator, <laughs> top dog, whatever you want to call it, um, however you refer to your business structure. But uh, you've got a, a giveaway for uh, for those that that may uh, you know be interested or, or into into Australian sort of NFL or college football players.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, uh, for anyone who's listening for the first time, for anyone who's listened before, you probably know that uh, we're producing the uh, Dane Roy podcast, Taking a Punt, um, the Dane Roy story, about his journey through from, uh, you know, local football here in, in country Victoria to uh, to college football in the University of Houston and, and award nights and all that sort of stuff. Um, we had a, a limited run of hundred collectible poker chips made for, for dane and his podcast and we're giving a couple away check out sportscast media on twitter or sportscaster media on facebook for more details on how you can enter that contest it's pretty simple and it's free and uh yeah they're pretty rare these things i've got one so uh yeah
0: i, I won't <laughs> be entering but i uh it's cool it's pretty cool so i yeah why not a little bit of a knickknack a little bit of uh we, we, we sent football, them uh houston football history
1: at, at the launch of the podcast, we sent them to all the uh, the notable NFL media types, which is uh, which is why wow. you've got one, Mister White. Wow. So notable,
0: yeah. I might put that on my tombstone uh, <laughs> when uh, Week Eleven ruins my life if I go with, uh, if I go and three again. Um, all right, let's um, let's talk biggest takeaways from Week Ten, and, and there's quite a bit, so we'll just um, we'll just stick with it and just go one by one. So you know, starting with who is the best team in the NFC West? Because it is pretty unbelievable how tight that race is at the moment. And there's a lot of games in that division still left. Seattle are going to face both LA and Arizona once more, starting with Thursday night football, which we'll get to a little bit later on. And then LA and Arizona still have two more meetings yet to come. So there's still a lot of time for the best of this bunch to to gain separation. And it's, uh, it's pretty tight and, even in last place in that division the 49ers would be leading the NFC East. <laughs> um, so it's pretty it's pretty nuts, but who do you think right now as of as of week 10 and week 11, who do you think is the best team in the NFC
1: West? I mean, I guess it depends how you define best, right? I think it, in my opinion anyway, I think LA are the most well-rounded team. I think Seattle are the most offensively um, damaging team and I think Arizona are the most unpredictable. Um, any of them can win the division um at the moment I think despite the last couple of weeks I think Seattle are probably it but it's not as it's not as far uh far apart as it was a couple of weeks ago
0: yeah I think you summed it up perfectly I don't really think there's too much more to say I think yeah I think Seattle are probably still number one on my ratings just because there's still that pre-season rating still you know I know we're 10 weeks into the season but they were still always higher than the other two but um I think yeah la are, are more rounded and and the cardinals are, p- are probably more dangerous and, and, and unpredictable. I think you've you've summed it up outstanding. So, you look there's a lot of a lot of football to be played, a, a lot of value if you if you want to look at scheduling and and then, you know bet futures like James loves to do, our resident futures expert. So, there's there's something there for you if you if you believe in a certain team's schedule. I believe Seattle have the easiest schedule, but uh, after this match, so we'll wait and see, but who knows? It's it's just a good, fun division race with, you know, gen- I can't remember the last time I sort of had a three-way division race sort of 10, 11 weeks into a season.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating. and I, I would say it's the best division in football at the moment, but, you know, there's, Easily. A few, yep. there's, a, there's a few that, um, you know, have, have some pretty good teams playing at the moment.
0: Yep. Uh, all right. Next one is what is the Dolphins' ceiling? And do you think it's a deep playoff run because their defense held a red-hot charges offense to 273 yards 4.3 yards per play um, as once again Xavier Howard and Byron Jones just dominant against Keenan Allen who only had 39 yards on three catches and Mike Williams two catches for 38 yards um, they're doing very very well on on special teams we might link this back as well to, to one of our listener questions in a little bit but what do you what do you think for, for, for the for the Dolphins at the moment, because they are kind of the talk of the town at the moment or talk of to a town.
1: Yeah, they really are. It's, it's quite amazing the, the the change in Miami from halfway through last season to, to now, um, I mean, deep playoff runner, not sure they're quite ready for that yet, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, the sky's the limit for this Dolphins team based on the assets that they've stockpiled and, and how they can add to their roster over the next kind of two to three years. Um, but if you look at this season, over the next couple of weeks, they've got the Broncos, the Jets, and the Bengals. They could legitimately be 9-3 and three heading into Week 14 with the Chiefs. And I'm not sure anyone would have seen that coming. Yeah, that's that's pretty nuts. And that could be a humbling
0: sort of thing. They go in 9-3 and, and then the Chiefs <laughs> just absolutely belt them um, into the smithereens. But, yeah, it's the Dolphins being nine and three is, is pretty amazing. And, and Brian Flores has done a, a fantastic job. And um, And one of our listeners questions is, are the Dolphins sort of special teams touchdowns, the kind of thing that makes you believe more in Miami or the kind of thing that makes you think 2021 won't be a sex- successful? It's, it's kind of yes to both. I think – yeah, like it's it's hard because special teams touchdowns and 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 you know it, lack of you know, defense, defensive injuries, things like that, always regress back to the mean. We've seen it with Chicago Bears having great defense year in and then failing away, and, and the Jacksonville Jaguars and things like that. Um, so it makes me think, yeah, it won't it won't all be rosy for them next season? But at the same time, I think two is only going to get better, and I think that's what's going to make them even better next season. Is because I think they won't have to rely on special teams and defense as much because they will have that. Offensive, you know, obviously Tua might not improve. He, he might regress. We've seen quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, line it up and then kind of just plateau. So we don't know what Tua's ceiling is, but I think that kind of is exciting about about Miami next season as well.
1: Yes, it's a good point. I mean, we know special teams touchdowns and special teams plays in general are are, are really not quite random, but they're pretty close to random, right? I mean, so so much of that part of the game is is variable and, and based on so many different factors that um, it doesn't really, I mean, Miami are really well coached on special teams. Clearly they've been very successful yeah. in it this season. Um, and, you know, you'd think that they would continue down that vein next season, but you can't, you can't predict how um, special teams are going to go, you know, two weeks from now, let alone uh, a year from now, unless of course you're the Chargers and, and your favourite cash cry about the, the Chargers, but ranking 32nd for special teams yeah. DVOA every year regardless, but as old as time, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm really excited for the for the Dolphins and, and what's coming for them. It's a really cool, really cool story.
0: Yeah, uh, so they were kind of my top two takeaways.
1: Uh, what have you? What have you got for us? When we did our season preview, I made a few big calls, and one of them was that I still, after you know his lifetime in the game, I did not rate John Gruden. Well, I did not rate John Gruden, but props to him; he's done an incredible job at the Raiders this season and I guess coming off, off last season with a limited roster, limited talent, limited assets and is just really, really doing an, an amazing job. I mean, you look at some of the some of the stats from, from this Raiders team, Derek Carr is having his most efficient season of his career, It's personal best, 107.4 passer rating, 16 to 2 touchdown to interception uh, ratio. Look at Josh Jacobs, just had his seventh 100-plus rush yard game um, over his first two seasons, which is more than any Raider running back in history. And you look at some of the running backs that, that the Raiders have had over the journey. Um, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Their defense is allowing less than 15 points per game since week eight, which is the third fewest in the NFL. Um, you know, last season, 2019 season, they finished the year seven and nine. They're six and three now. Um, and they're undefeated against the division. They're the only team to, to beat the Super Bowl championships. I mean, this what John Gruden has done with with the Raiders is very, very impressive.
0: Yeah, and I think he's done a great job. I, I wouldn't say limited talent. I think offensively they have a lot of talent on offense around Derek Carr, but defensively um, not a lot, and I, I think that's probably more impressive. I think that defensive stat is kind of helped a little bit by kind of that, that uh, win game against the Browns, which kind of skews them a little bit um, in their favor. But, you know, apart from that, they've, they've – those other games that they have played very, very well. So um, I think he's done a great job and, and it's, you know, it's always fun to shit pot Derek Carr, but he's, he's playing quite well. Obviously a lot of quarterbacks are having career years because of, you know, the way the NFL's officiated at the moment. We've talked about that week in week out, but you know, you can't really knock what's on paper and, and those stats and those numbers that he's putting up and, and the wins that they've, they've racked up. So, you know, I think John Gruden deserves, you know, some kudos. Um, it's, fun to knock him when things go wrong, but you got to give credit when it's due. And, and I think uh, we've, we've done that there. So
1: yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a tough one. Cause I'm, I just don't like him. I just don't like him, <laughs> but he's, yeah, he's done a good job and got to, got to give him props. So my, my second, my second one this week, and we've, we've spoken about it a number of times over, over the years is that rushing and good running backs are overrated. And if you throw the ball well enough in a disciplined offense, that's enough to win games. Look at the Steelers. They're nine and zip. They've won their last three with under 50 rushing yards total. They've got Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay, Chase Claypool. They're dominating defences weekly. Um, you know, you look at look at what Ben's doing with that offence. They don't need to, to run the ball. All other NFL teams are three wins, 14 losses, and a tie this season when rushing for less than 50 yards. But you look at the Steelers' offence, and when they do well, they're unbeatable. Yeah, it's... It's
0: pretty nuts and I agree. running the ball's overrated. Like it's fine. If you do it efficiently and you do it well, like Sam Fran showed last year, if you can run the ball efficiently and bludgeon teams to death with it, then go ahead. But if it the minute it goes wrong, you need to develop the passing game. Like, you know, it's see it time and time again, teams run and this is the charges, like giving the ball to Kaelin Balage twenty seven times last week instead of throwing it with with Justin Herbert, it's just infuriating. And then I saw a stat. I think someone, Ruben Frank, tweeted something about the Eagles of the fourth team. Oh, I think I retweeted that, yeah. Yeah, NFL history to average 5.1 yards per rush through nine games but run the ball 24 times per game or less. Like, yeah. who cares? Like, what's he trying to say there? Like, and then he lists <laughs> the other three teams and they're all losing teams. 6-10, 6-9-1, 7-9. I think that's the so, point. I think
1: that's the point is that they're running – when they run the ball, they run it well. They just don't do it enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. It's just, <laughs> oh, oh, well, anyway. We could we um, have a speak- whole ana- you know, NFL analytics Twitter debate on running the ball. Yeah, and the Yeah, the yeah exactly.
0: But we mentioned the Eagles and that's kind of a segue into the next sort of big takeaway from last week was, can the Giants actually win the NFC East? I tipped them at 13s when we had James on in our mid-season pod. They're into 375 now to win the division and... Daniel Jones has put together two kind of turnover-free, like quite sharp performances in these victories. Um, He he hit throw after throw outside the numbers uh, against the Eagles, went 21 of 28, 244, and also led the Giants in rushing, including a touchdown. He didn't stumble this time. He found the end zone. Um, And, I mean, we want to talk about defenses, you know, playing well. The Giants, despite having no really great players, like James Bradbury and, and... a nose tackle is that is their pro- kind of their only good assets when you look at their roster from top to bottom the the coaching is is pretty good on defense and you know they're they're playing tough they're just a tough out and i actually think they they can win the division the eagles schedule the next five games i'm sure you know this is is shocking but i actually think the uh i think the, the g men can do it which is Kind of crazy to have you know a five win or six win Daniel Jones in, in the NFL playoffs in twenty twenty kind of kind of what the the season and and the year twenty twenty kind of deserves I think.
1: It it makes me physically ill to agree with you in that the Giants can win the division. Um, I mean any team really can win the division except for Washington. Uh, sorry, except for for Dallas at the moment. But yeah, look, it's just it's just a mess for the the Eagles. The, I think if if we'd won that game, then that Pretty much, it nearly seals the division, right? But yep. you lose it, and all of a sudden, it's wide open again, and wide open in a terrible, bad way. It's just disgusting. If the Giants beat the Bengals,
0: Browns, and Cowboys, they probably win the division. They're not winning against the Seahawks, or the Cardinals, or the Ravens, but I give them a chance to win those three games. I give them a big chance to beat the Browns. Mm. Um, yeah, I think they can, you know, maybe beat the Bengals. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, it's – I don't know. It feels like five wins or six wins we winning this division. It's, it's so gross. It's great. It's, it's so it's, gross. I, I kind of love it, actually, to be honest. Like, a, it's kind of beautiful in its real ugliness. I don't know.
1: How, how would you it's feel like – a abstract art. <laughs> how would you feel having to play in a, an away playoff game against the Giants? <laughs> oh, it, yeah, I wouldn't be a huge fan of it. But, oh, I mean, if you gross. get to play a
0: five-win team in the playoffs, like,
1: you, you're cheering. Well, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, look, I'm just mentioned the Browns as well. Um, are, are they any good? They're six and three. You look at their schedule; they've had two absolute drubbings by the elite teams, the Ravens and the Steelers. Two crazy shit weather games in just horrid conditions against the Raiders and Texans, and then you've had two narrow wins against the Bengals. And then the other, the other game, like it stands out, is, is probably their most impressive was beating the Colts which was Phillip Rivers' worst game of the season. I'd like, it's just hard to really get a feel for them. It's just like, mm. I don't know what they are. Like, I have no idea. Like, I knew the Bears at five and three were, or whatever the hell wreck five and two or whatever they were were bad. But I just don't know about the Browns. But they have a nice schedule and they can rack up 10 wins pretty easily. But I still don't believe in them. It's kind of weird. I just, I don't know about Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah, it's not weird at all. Because we've been asking if the Browns are good for 40 years. Alone, the last few weeks, but oh, we've known that uh, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, look, I, I I don't know, and and I'm not sure that we're going to find out this week because it's kind of a lose lose situation for for Cleveland this weekend. Because if they lose, then that's terrible because they've lost to the Eagles. And if they win, well, they've just beaten the Eagles who are playing like shit at the moment. So it's really it's a lose lose situation for Cleveland. They just have to keep winning. They've just got to keep winning. And and the Mm -hmm. only thing that's going to convince people after this amount of time as to whether the Browns are actually any good is for them to make the playoffs and win playoff games.
0: Yeah, I I think just a win against the Ravens or Steelers, something. Just show me a little bit of something that you can play up to a level because you've come up against elite teams and you've shown absolutely nothing. But even if you
1: say, like, there are plenty of pretty decent teams that I still wouldn't have beating the, the Ravens or the Steelers, so... I don't know. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not even sure that's the that's the the line. I don't know, but it is tough. Yeah. It's very tough to to actually believe in the Cleveland Browns. I feel sorry for any of their fans. That's for sure. Yep.
0: All right, next one. Uh, what is roughing the passer? Because oh, I God. honestly have no idea at this point. Uh, because that that's, uh that tackle on Drew Brees, and I know he injured and broke ribs and everything, but Brees is still holding the ball. Can't be body weight because Contavas Street hits the turf next to Brees. You know, instead of a sack to set up a third and seventeen on the you know field goal range, Saints get fifteen yards, score a touchdown three plays later, and away we go. Like it just, it just seems like it just seems crazy. And then Nick Foles got punched in the head on on Monday night football against the Vikings, and and that wasn't roughing the passer. So I, like, he didn't get punched in the head, but he, he it looked like in play that he got sort of slapped in the in the in the helmet. So I. I honestly have no idea and it just seems that there's different rules for different quarterbacks and whether they're sort of old or legends or or whatever. Uh, And it feels like back in the Cam Newton days where he used to take some massive hits, but because he's big and strong, that they don't look as bad as, you know, nimble Drew Brees getting hit.
1: Yeah. Look, it's, it's a tough one. We spoke about um, defensive pass interference last week, roughing the path. I mean, it's nearly the same thing, right? It's like, what is, what is the rule? How does it work and how is it adjudicated? And no one really knows. I mean, do the referees know? I don't. I don't even know if they know, um, yeah. or if they've, owned, they've if they've just got their own perception and perspective of, of what it is. But it is. It's very difficult because that one, that one on on Drew Brees was clearly. I mean, based on how they've they've called roughing the passer over the last decade, that was clearly not roughing the passer. Um, and you, yeah. you have to wonder what guys like Andrew Luck think of think of calls like that. Yeah, exactly.
0: He copped it. Absolute. Yeah, and just Sean Watson, who's copping yeah. it week in week out. Yeah. Crazy. Um all right, Cordero Patterson is I think he's the greatest kickoff
1: returner of all time. Do you do you agree? I agree. I'm not sure how there's any argument anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean he's, he's been up there for the last few years already, but yeah. I don't I don't know how you can argue it now.
0: Yeah, I think so. he's had eight kickoff returns for a touchdown now, ties the NFL record by Leon Washington and Josh Cruz, but those two are not even anywhere close to uh, the top twenty five in kickoff return average. So Patterson's second in average. Um, trailing only, Gail Sayers, he averaged 30.6 yards per kickoff return and Patterson's averaging 29.9. So surely he'll get that average up higher um, and in, an, in a sort of an era where they're trying to eliminate kickoff returns as well and, and you know, minimise that impact. Patterson's still thriving. That's quite quite extraordinary. So witnessing history, I find it funny that he's only ever had one punt return in his entire career. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just don't understand why the, the, the Bears are not, uh, you know, Long snapping it to him on like second downs and just letting him go for thirty-five yard runs instead.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, he's done it for different teams, at different situations, at different times, different environments. Like, it's what he's been able to do is quite amazing, really, in that in that role. And you think, like, the talent that he's got, you wonder why he hasn't been able to make it work when he's been played either as a receiver or a back. He just hasn't been able to make it work consistently um, in kind of one of those key skill position roles, but um, yeah. you know, whatever he does on, on kickoff returns, it works.
0: Yeah, I mean you probably still end up in the hall of fame as a kickoff returner. <laughs> so I mean not a bad career. Not many what first round wide receivers can claim they've made the Hall of Fame. So uh we'll how, see.
1: We'll how see. do you feel if Corderald Patterson's in the Hall of Fame and Ryan Fitzpatrick is not.
0: Uh man, Ryan Fitzpatrick deserves his own little special wing. I don't know. Um uh, actually Canton put um uh, the chiefs lineman, I can never say his name, uh, the center that took the year off to be a doctor, Duvernay Tardy or whatever his name is. Um, they put his uh, scrubs in the hall of fame because of the COVID yeah. year that he took a year off to, you know, f- uh, fight on the front line and, and do his job as a doctor. And uh, like, I thought that was just a hella cool <laughs> move by Canton that his scrubs and they've got the little chief logo on them and stuff. Um, yeah, that's cool. I thought that was just a classy classy move by Canton. I thought that was, yeah, nice. was really sick. I didn't um, see that. All, right. all right, Cardinals front office surely just just took massive victory laps after the uh DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins touchdown and, and on this trade because it was just an unbelievable touchdown. The Hale Murray, uh as they're calling it. Uh the Cardinals tied for first place in the NFC West. One of the big reasons is Hopkins basically a giveaway by Bill O'Brien uh they fired him straight like the trade looks even worse now and that you know obviously didn't seem possible at the time but it looks somehow even worse it's just like you just got to be cheering and fist pumping that, that you're able to get this bloke and and then i don't know if you saw this tweet on internet uh on the internet on twitter uh on the internet i sound like a boomer are you good on that internet um <laughs> The caption contest that DeAndre Hopkins put up and said, how how to embarrass four bills and (laughs) photoshopped Bill O'Brien in the background. I (laughs) am dead. Like, I'm fucking dead. That is the funny, that's the winner right there. How to embarrass four bills is pretty much it. Like, just, what a play by Hopkins. I don't even know. What are your thoughts on the play, the trade? Just madness. We need to talk about it because it was just an unbelievable play, play of the season.
1: In in absolutely played the season. I mean, I was going to talk about it um, shortly in the in the Cardinals Seahawks game, but yeah, I and mean, it just it just brought me back to that Aaron Rodgers, Richard Rodgers touchdown miracle in Motown a couple of years back. Um, just unbelievable poise from from Kyler Murray, but also that that discipline from Hopkins to stand his ground, to to keep his body strong in the air at that point, to hold the ball like it's just unbelievable skill from from both of those guys and yeah i mean they they would have been doing victory laps the day that that trade was ratified like that was just a i don't think there was anyone in the nfl world that understood that trade from yeah. a houston perspective it just didn't make sense it makes even less sense now but that was i mean it was beyond bizarre and uh you have to think that that's one of the the reasons that bill o'brien lost the job yeah, and and poor David Johnson. I mean, he
0: comes kind of the butt of all these jokes here. He, he's on IR oh. the week that this happens as well. It's just,
1: just the stars aligned here, just to embarrass and, Houston even more. And I, I mean, David Johnson's a really good player in his own right, but he's not. Yeah. you know, he's not a top three. Yeah. running back by any means. Yeah,
0: no, exactly. I mean, there's probably what half a dozen wide receivers in the world that could have made that catch by DeAndre Hopkins. If and, that, yeah, yeah, if that. I mean, it's just. It's just unbelievable. I just can't believe that 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 happened. And <laughs> but I mean, the, the Cardinals. I know they're leading the division and, and everything, but they're also kind of very lucky. They're a couple of plays away from being four and five. But then at the same time, they probably could have beaten Miami as well. So they could have been even further in front if the, just if their kicker could make a fucking forty-eight yard field goal in a dome. Um, you know, Swings I think if that. I had twenty tries, I could kick one. I reckon. I don't know. <laughs> in a dome, we, we should put you to that. One day, yeah, maybe. We'll I just don't bath. know where the nearest dome is. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um, speaking of Houston, though, um, if if you're a head coach, and like I, I feel like the New York Jets might actually be a more desirable location for for a job than Houston right now, and and this mm. has come out of um, the uh, Peter King's article. Peter King's column from his uh, from Monday, where he he talked about just if you're Eric enemy, like why why would you choose Houston Texans over the New York Jets? Because like you'd say, yeah, sure, there's to Sean Watson, but the Jets That's have it. five picks. Have the five picks in the first three rounds in 2021. Two first round picks in 2022. Stable GM in, in Joe Douglas. Um, have, yeah, you may also have the first pick overall in, in 2021, and then you think, okay, Houston has Deshaun Watson, but he's only signed for four years. Uh, Houston has massive personnel holes and won't pick until the third round of the 2021 draft because of the DeAndre Hopkins trade. They're 21st in scoring, even with Deshaun Watson, 29th in points allowed, and J.J. Watt and Whitney Mercilis are 32 or 31 years old, and their salary cap is a joke. They have their top eight is combining them 109 million, at least $66 million for the last 45 players on their roster. And they just let go of the one of the best PR people that we talked about last week. It's just absolute <laughs> fucking chaos in there. And you have a priest running your organization, Jack East <laughs> to be. Like, honestly, like everyone likes to make fun of the Jets, but I, I just don't know how long it's going to take till Houston are good again. Like, if I'm Deshaun Watson, like I honestly might consider demanding a trade at some point in the offseason. Yeah, well I
1: I raised that point a couple of weeks ago in yeah, did that too. the way the way that the Texans franchise is currently set up is possibly the biggest mess in the NFL. You, you mentioned they've got an unbelievable, they've got top five, maybe even a top three quarterback in Deshaun Watson. But that's about it. That is literally yep. about it. They've got no assets. They've got very little tradable commodities because of the contracts they're on and the rest of their roster is either limited or aging and they've got nothing else. They've got no cap flexibility. They've got no assets. And what is there to, what is there to, to, to play for? If you're, if you're a GM or a head coach, what is there to play for in Houston over the next three years? I mean, if, if you're coming in and you're, if, if you're a brand new head coach or, or GM arriving in Houston, you have to look at, Firstly, trading JJ Watt is probably your, your first your first big move. Yep. And secondly, you probably have to look at trading to Sean Watson because you have nothing else. You've yep. got to get either cap space yep. or assets, if not both, Yeah, because currently yep. they've got nothing. Yeah, crazy. It's a mess. It's a bigger mess than Alex
0: Smith's knee a couple of years ago.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Too Ooh. soon?
0: Maybe he's back on the field. We can talk about it. <laughs> um, all right, well, your last point, and I, I I didn't have enough time to research this, but Yeah. Did you have an answer for this? I don't. I don't.
1: I it, I literally just thought of it um, a, a little bit earlier, and I haven't had enough. Uh, I haven't had enough time to, to find out. But my question was, when was the last time we had both a nine and zip team, and a zip and nine team after ten weeks? And if anyone wants to to tweet in and tell us when the last time that was, that'd be very much appreciated. Oh, you
0: might have to go back to the the Manning Breeze Super Bowl mm. year where they both were fourteen and thirteen and zero at one point, or twelve and zero at one point, and there might have been a couple of bad sort of Jacksonville Jaguars or, or something back potentially. then, uh, potentially. But, yeah, I don't know. Might be the first time. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, if anyone knows, let us know. Tweet yeah. us. Tweet us. Uh, yeah, perfect. At uh, partner team pod. All right, a couple of lists of questions. We already touched on one. We'll, we'll try and speed through these. What do you got for us, Nick? Uh,
1: Matt Zemeck in Phoenix asks, the Vikings or Patriots, which team in huge trouble a few weeks ago has a better chance to make an improbable run to a playoff spot? Really good question and one that I don't have an answer for. I think both teams are probably outsiders still right now. They've both improved over the last few weeks, but I'm not sure either of them are in a good spot for a playoff run at the moment. If I had to gun to head, I had to pick one, I'd probably say the Vikings, but I don't really have a reason why.
0: I'll say the Patriots. Um, I'll talk about – I mention it when we talk about the Pats game, actually, but I'll, I'll mention it now. I just think with their schedule, like I'm not going to be surprised if they miss out by one win in the, in the NFL playoff race. And it could end up being that sort of Newton fumble in the Buffalo Mm. red zone with, you know, 45 seconds left that they probably should have won that game. It could cost them a playoff spot or a division title because they still got to play the the bills and dolphins. Once the dolphins are still going to play the Bills, So if they sort of, you know, scout wins off each other and, and the, and the Pats sort of run the table with them. And, you know, like, you know, it's – it was entirely possible that they could have all finished on the same record. And because mm-hmm. the Pats fumbled that ball against the Bills, that cost them the division win. So – but at the same time, it's pretty crazy. The Dolphins in x next three games has them so far in front. But, yeah, yeah it's just – it's crazy. I'd, I'd have to go with the Pats. I'd, I'm not a huge fan of the Vikings at all. I, I know they've been better – We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later I, on. I just
1: I just realised why I'm siding with the Vikings over the Patriots. It's because I was big pre-season on the pass under nine yeah. <laughs> for the season. <laughs> oh, that's so that's, that's, that's all I'm hoping for. Yeah, 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 yeah
0: big absolutely. Fan big fan of <laughs> skewing um, bias towards your – yeah, huge fan of that. All right, let's go result, results we talked about at the start. I went 0-3 zero, zero last week, uh, but I did hit a uh, line and total double with the Bucks minus and over, so a long shot lob for me. Um, the push on the Cleveland game kind of shows the importance of getting or waiting for that right number. Um, fucking Nick Chubb, just run the ball in the mm. end zone, please. Oh. Uh, crazy. Anyways, we're six, three and two for the locks this, this year. So, um, not too bad if you eliminate those sort of pushes there, at six and three, but, uh, you went one, one and one, um, with, with, uh, last week. So not, not a losing week, but, uh, not a winning week either.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean it's it's tough. We we've spoken about it a number of times how tough this season has been. I think we've both kind of had our moments. We've had a, had a couple of good weeks and then a couple of real bad weeks and you're going through it at the moment. I've been yeah. through it before, but um, hopefully it starts to to even itself out and uh, I don't know what's the what's the positive regress ingress? Yep. Yeah, positive <laughs> regression. It's, it's yeah.
0: tough. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's um let's get cracking into week 11 here. Um, We'll try and speed through it as best we can because we spent a lot talking about last week. But I thought last week, more so than ever, had a lot of big sort of narrative, not narratives, but sort of results shifting and and power balance shifts in in number of divisions and and structures in the NFL. But week 11, 49ers, Giants, Bears, Bills have the bye. Thursday Night Football, got three cracking primetime games this week. Should be a good one. Arizona at Seattle, um, one of the games of the year. Earlier this season, total is 57 and a half. Seattle at home, three-point faves. Uh, what do you got for us?
1: Yeah, incredible week of football. Like you said, some, some great primetime games and, and starts off really well with this one. We, we spoke about Kyler Murray and, and Hopkins and that that play before. Um, so I won't go too much into detail on that. But I think what people forget is that Murray had a 30-yard scramble before that pass as well. And just the poise of... of the young quarterback to do that and, and to pull that off was, was amazing. He's now into fourth for MVP at $9, which is, which is amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, wouldn't I'm not betting against him at this point because, you know, pull off a couple more wins um, like that and all of a sudden that, that nine comes into five and in a three and into two. So, you know, it can change very quickly. But last time that these two teams played, Murray had 360 passing yards, three touchdowns in an overtime win. Seattle are ranked 26th in pass defense DVOA. Um, Kyler Murray again has a rushing touchdown each of his last five games, 60-plus rushing yards in his last four. I love the Seattle offense. We've spoken about it a number of times over the last two years, and thankfully James isn't here because he loves the Seattle offense even more than me. But the Arizona offense is on fire. I've got to go with a hot hand in Kyler. In Kyler. Um, their defense is better than the Seahawks right now, so I'm, I'm leaning Arizona at, at the line. I might even have a little play on the, on the money line as well. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of with you here. Um, it was three and a half um, earlier this week, so I'm going to kind of wait for tomorrow morning and see if that shifts around after sort of inactives and things, and I'll probably take the three and a half. But at the flat three, probably not enough to sort of push me over the edge. I've got the Seattle minus two. Um, so, yeah, look, the Cardinals, like, this is the first time if they win be the first time they've swept the Seahawks since 2009. And also, this is um, the Seahawks, if they lose this, this will be the first time they've lost three straight games in in Russell Wilson's entire career, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, And look, Seattle's defense is bad, but it showed some signs of improvement last week against the Rams. But it's kind of just leaving Russell Wilson with such a slim margin of error, and that's kind of finally gotten to him. Early on in the season, it didn't, but I think the pressure's just built up more and more, and, and now he's... You know, had seven interceptions, three fumbles across his last four starts, so 10 turnovers and four starts. Um, and, look, I do think this is still a defense he can exploit. So I think the Arizona defense, although they're quite well-ranked in DVOA and they and they've been coached up quite well, I, I still think they're over-retrieving on their talent level, especially they've got kind of no elite pass rushes, but they're still finding ways to, to apply pressure. So I think that's commendable, but I still think against an elite, you know, quarterback like Russell Wilson we will see some points. Um, but yeah, Kyler Murray, as you said, continues just to find ways and extend plays. It's 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 unbelievable rushing the football at the moment. It's just and it's kind of opening things up down the field as well. Uh, Cardinals are eight one and two against the spread in, in their last eleven games as a road underdog and, and road and the underdogs nine one and one against the spread in the, the last eleven meetings between these two teams. This is Arizona are 0 against the spread this season when they've been given getting points in a game. So as an underdog they're pretty good against the spread. So yeah, if I'm taking a side, it's plus three, but probably, I'd probably just might just take the money line instead, but I feel like Seahawks games always come down to a field goal at this point.
1: It does feel like, and I, I agree with you in, in terms of the Cardinals defense being a bit overrated and, and overranked, I guess, or, or overachieving. I think that the thing is that they've got more big playability. They're not consistently great, but they've got yeah. more single big playability than, than the Seahawks. I and mean, the Seahawks, just don't have right now they don't have a guy that you can rely on you know in the fourth quarter down the stretch to make that big play to win a game mm. um whereas you, you look at the cardinals defense and there's a couple of guys that you look at um that have done it this season and they don't have to play incredible defensive football for four quarters but they make that play at the right time and well you know that's the difference maker
0: uh, Cincinnati at Washington, Washington minus one and a half. Total is 46 and a half. We won't spend too much time on this. I'm not going to overthink things here too much. Cincinnati are a better team. they have a better quarterback and they're getting points here. Um, so I'm taking Cincinnati money line, Cincinnati plus one and a half. Look, if you're concerned about, you know, Washington's greatest strength, it's, you know, killer defensive line, second in the NFL, adjusted sack rate, exploiting Cincinnati's, you know, obvious weakness, their turnstile, Offensive line who are 27th in pass protection. I get it. Then just avoid this matchup. But do you think William Jackson the third versus uh, Terry McLaurin will be a, a pretty crucial matchup here? Because Alex Smith started to sling it a little bit in the second half, but he was pretty awful in the first half. But yeah, I like Joe Burrow and the and the
1: Bengals to bounce back. 728 days between starts. 728 days between starts is amazing, given the fact that he didn't just yep. break his leg; he nearly died. Um, sepsis, flesh-eating bacteria, all these gross things. Guy nearly died, and he's not just playing. We're playing at a high level. Uh, New career high last week for passing yards and completions in in that first start in 728 days, which is pretty incredible. But, yeah, look, I'm I'm taking a leaf out of your book here. I think this game is perfectly set up for Joey Covers. This uh, Washington football team offense has nothing in it. has nothing in it. They've, They've got a very good defense. And the Bengals have to start protecting Joe Burrow better um, because this Washington defense can be can be pretty nasty, as, as you said. But um, without it, without an offense, I, I feel like the Bengals are always in it in, in this game, and and I think it comes down to a, a field goal or a last minute score. And, and you know, I, I really like since he is the underdog here, so I like them at the line, and probably again, like like with Arizona, probably have a little play at the money line as well. Yeah, I think uh, Comeback Player of the Year pretty much locked up now, for Alex Smith. has to. I mean, it has to. And Barstool, I saw Bastel tweet um, early in the week that they've called him the Comeback Player of the Century. So I reckon uh, well, Comeback Player of the Year is pretty much, pretty yeah. much locked up. Well, f- firstly, fuck Barstool.
0: <laughs> Secondly, I mean, Peyton Manning came back from four neck fusions and scored 55 touchdowns. So let's settle down, all right? Um, anyway. Didn't have flesh-eating yeah. bacteria,
1: though. No, but
0: he could have if he wanted to. I mean, you can
1: you can, can anything. do anything when, when he puts he his can. mind to something. He can he do does. whatever he wants.
0: Have you seen that guy's forehead? He has a big mind. <laughs> um, all right, let's go. Atlanta at New Orleans. New Orleans minus five. The total is fifty. Um, oh, keen for this game. I'm I'm ready for Jameis Winston football. Um, and yeah, I don't know. My my numbers have this with uh, Drew Brees. I have them. I have the Saints minus seven. So you know, without him, it's minus, yeah, maybe minus five. So we're saying that, that, you know, Drew Brees is worth, what, two and a half to three points against the spread. I'm not really sure if that is the Brees to Winston gap is that much. So I kind of do lean towards New Orleans, but I'm a little bit concerned. So I'm, I'm probably going to stay out of that and go a different different way. But I am keen to see this because, look, Brees is safe, completes high percentage of passes, you know, more often than not, will not lose your games in the NFL. But he also doesn't, you know, stretch the field and complete a hot, like uh, he does complete some down the field passes, but he doesn't throw a, a high volume of passes deep or intermediate routes right now. He's kind of just short underneath and then picks his shots when sh- when Peyton dials it up for him. But Winston can do all of that and he's shown he can do all of that. He's a, he's a great down the field passer and a lot of people joke about the pick sixes and I'm going to make one in a little bit, but, you know, he still can throw a lot. Like, you still throw a lot of beautiful deep passes and I think having a coach like Sean Payton could really do him wonders so I'm very intrigued to see how he plays for the Saints it might be kind of like last season with Teddy where they take a few weeks to really get comfortable and open things up and that's kind of why I'm hesitating a little bit in taking the Saints here but I think New Orleans defense is playing really really well right now and they'd be talked about a lot more if Miami kind of weren't tearing shit up right now um, the Saints run defense football outsiders talked about it this week they're very impressed but Look, the Falcons three and one since they fired Dan Quinn, but this is kind of a little bit different against the Saints on the road as opposed to beating the Vikings, Panthers and Broncos. But I think this is all lining up to it to an over for me, and because I think Winston can sling it, Matt Ryan can sling it, and with Jameis, you always got to factor in the potential of a pick six pushing a total over. So I like the over right now where it's at the flat fifty under that key fifty one number. So yeah, over fifty is my play.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think you know we're still waiting to hear. Sean Payton keeps dodging the question whenever he's asked in in presses and, and whatever will not answer who's going to start. So it might still be Taysom Hill, but yeah, logic would dictate that James Winston gets first crack at it as as the backup. Taysom Hill remains the the backup to the backup, and you know <laughs> probably doesn't play as many snaps at, at skill positions as he as he has been throughout the first half of the season. Um, But I mean, surely, surely James Winston starts this week, but yeah, massive division game, huge for for New Orleans to win without Drew Brees again. Um, You know, remember they went five and zip with Teddy last season when, when Drew Brees was injured. So, you know, while New Orleans have have been very good and they've been very good for a long time, that hasn't necessarily been the case for Drew Brees over the last two seasons. Um, So, Whoever it is, whether it's Jameis or Taysom, doesn't really matter. If if whoever comes in can just keep the chains moving, be efficient and not turn the ball over, and, and we know that's one of Jameis's biggest issues, then the Saints are still a massive threat because their their biggest positive is, is in other parts of the field and not whose hands the, the ball is in at quarterback. So I, I think regardless of who starts at the quarterback, they're still they're still way too strong for Atlanta on both sides of the ball. So I'm going the Saints here. Minus five.
0: Nice. Um, all right, Pittsburgh minus ten at Jacksonville. Total is is forty seven. Your thoughts?
1: Nine and zip against one and eight. Um, I just feel like it's that old Star Wars meme, the Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. <laughs> I just, I, I've been hearing that ring in my ears uh, all day. But I just, I, I really want to take the Steelers here because I, I just think, you know, we spoke about the, the Steelers and, and their lack of running the ball and the way that Ben's throwing the ball at the moment. But how can how can the Jags and the, the 30th-ranked pass defence keep up with Ben throwing a Juju, Deontay and Chase Claypool? I just I don't see it. Um, he's thrown for 300-plus passing yards in his last two games. Um, I saw him earlier, 300-plus passing yards at $2.80, $3, uh, 350 passing yards at $6. If you shop around, that was the only market I could find so far today, but if you shop around over the next day or two, you could probably get some, some even better markets. But um, yeah, I, I just see Pittsburgh winning this by two or three touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Um, so on the uh, on the trap game notion, uh, Mike Tomlin he said uh, we're not a Big Ten team playing against a you know a MAC opponent this week. Mm. So you know he's treading carefully. And Big Ben also said we're not taking these guys lightly because they've had our number. And I looked into this. Jacksonville are only one of four ASC teams that Big Ben does not have a winning record against, including the postseason. Um, counting two playoff losses, Roethlisberger's has lost five of 10 starts against the Jaguars. And the only teams to beat the Steelers in the Steelers' history of beating them twice in Pittsburgh during the same season are the Jaguars in 2007 and 2017, 10 years apart. They beat them twice in Pittsburgh in the same season. Pretty crazy. Um, look, so 9 and 0 team against the Jags. As you said, they're tw- terrible against the past, but they're 25th in total offense, 31st in total defense an obvious Steelers play but this kind of feels like the Dallas game to me where Pittsburgh may lay an egg here and uh I think they they win but I'm not taking the 10 points with Pittsburgh here in Jacksonville where they've struggled in in the past I don't know what it is um it's probably a dumb narrative but I don't care I'm gonna leave it I've got it minus 11 so no real sort of edge for me in that regard um so yeah but I'm I don't mind the Rothelsberger pass yards notion because if they are down late or struggling, he'll he'll have to throw himself out of it.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. if that if those quotes from Tomlin and and Ben make me less make me like it less or like it more because I feel like if they, with this terrible record with this, this record that yeah. they, they know that they're going to have to you know put their best foot forward and and they might come out firing. Yep.
0: Uh,
1: all right. New England minus two and a half at Houston total is
0: forty nine. Cannot get a read on this Patriots team. I love them as a seven-point fave two weeks ago against the Jets. They, they scrapped on by there and, and got a win. I love the Ravens minus six and a half against the Pats last week, and the Pats won outright. Just a hard team to suss out. I just don't know. This is a great matchup for the Pats, though. Like, their rushing attack is dangerous. Damian Harris is playing really, really well. I'll, I'll have a look at and shop around for any 100-plus on him. Um, The Texans are giving up 200 plus rushing yards three times this year. Um, And there are only two wins that come against the Jags. So just I'm wavering in confidence with the Pats. I just can't get a proper read on them week in, week out, but this is a tiny number and Houston are a mess as we've touched on earlier, but I'm going to pass.
1: Yeah. No, it's a good point. The last thing the Texans need right now is a team that relies on running the ball and punching through defensive lines. So, you know, they are a mess. We've, We've talked about it over and over again and, uh, yeah, you're right. With, uh, with Damien Harris, it's, it's definitely worth a look. Um, but they've got multiple options. We saw Rex Burkett have one of one of his, you know, he normally has two or three games a season where he where he punched through a couple of times and did that a couple of weeks ago. Um, this is this is clearly a, an opportunity for for him and and Cam Newton and Damien Harris. The Patriots have have just quietly built the second most efficient running offense in the NFL, according to football outsiders, and Houston are. Just a mess. Thirty-second ranked run defense in the NFL. Obviously for for New England, the big concern is, of course, to Sean Watson. He is their their number one, their one and only. Um, you know, so he, he's a, a massive concern against a defense that is ranked thirty-second on, on total DVOA defense. So, what do the Patriots do? They've just got to keep it out of his hands. They've just got to run it, run it, run it, run it, and run it some more. And I think they do that, and I think that they win, and uh, I'm taking the Pats minus two and a half.
0: Yep, uh, I'm not going to uh, argue with you there. Uh, Philly at Cleveland, Cleveland minus three, totals 47. Look, we've spoken at length about both these teams. Uh, no thanks. I've got no faith in either of these teams covering a spread, so I'm just going to pass.
1: <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. Ugly yeah. game. Yeah, this matchup scares me for a number of reasons as an Eagles fan, but as a punter, just don't want to borrow it. Yeah, it's it's... Crazy.
0: Um, all right, Detroit at Carolina. Carolina minus one. Total is forty nine. This is off the board at a lot of places. Um, some doubt about Matt Stafford. Free Matt Stafford. Poor guy. He's on the injury report every week with either COVID or some sort of niggling injury. We've also Get got into some, Indy. Yes, we've also got some big. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we've also got some big doubts over Teddy Bridgewater. Um, injured injured last week in the game against Tampa Bay. So we could see sort of PJ Walker versus a nine-fingered Matthew Stafford with a, who's got a thumb injury. They reckon it's not going to limit him, but we'll see. There's just too many variables here. So the line looks spot on. I've got it minus one and a half if PJ Walker's starting and around three and a half if uh, – yeah, three and a half if it's Teddy Bridgewater. But, yeah, small edge to Carolina because they have a better coach. That's pretty much it, but I'll pass.
1: Yeah, it's a pass for me, but someone's got to say it. They nearly did it again. The Lions nearly did it again. They nearly blew another double-digit lead under Matthew Edward fucking Patricia. Yeah. I can't I'm believe that great. wasn't one of your talking points. I was uh, waiting for
0: yeah, it. You absolutely – I'm just it's – a, it's a tired rhetoric now at this point, but <laughs> you just absolutely hate to see it, don't you? You just absolutely <laughs> hate to see it. But I'm glad you brought it up. Um I appreciate that. So, well done. Um, All right, Tennessee at Baltimore. Baltimore minus six and a half. The total is 49. You know, playoff revenge spot here for the Ravens. But what the hell is going on with their offense? I just, like I know last week was ridiculous conditions. Side note, can Bill Belichick control the weather? Because it felt like he was moving his hands around and and making it stronger. I don't know, potentially warlock situation with Bill Belichick. Something to monitor.
1: Where's that tinfoil hat?
0: like, yeah, I mean, put it straight on because, yeah, potential warlock, lizard person scenario, (laughs) who knows? Um, But, you like I know those conditions are ridiculous, but they've played kind of one good half of offense, and that was against the Colts in the second half in the last sort of month. Um, So I don't know if the NFL sort of cracked the Lamar Jackson code, um, which funnily enough, the Titans kind of showed the blueprint in the playoff win against the Ravens last year, or whether there's just – some issues going on. They've had, they've had a few injuries on the offensive line. And I think in a team that likes to run the ball a lot and the way that they play, the continuity on the offensive line is a big deal. So maybe once they get more comfortable and, and they, the center came out and apologized for his game because he was snapping the ball all over the place in those conditions last week. But uh, the Titans, it's just special teams was just an absolute joke. If, if the, if the Chargers didn't exist, the, the Titans special teams would be getting absolutely destroyed by myself, but, um, yeah, look, I don't know about this one. My numbers have Baltimore minus five, so Titans plus six and a half is going to be the play, but I'm going to wait around and see if the plus seven becomes available, and I'm also going to keep an eye on, on the status of Calais Campbell because I think he does such a big job in their run defense, and with Brendan Williams out, if they're missing Calais and Brendan Williams, then I think Derek Henry um, is going to have a big game, and he's so important on what they do for the Titans' offense. Mm-hmm. If if they can't get the play action rolling, right and Tenny nowhere near as efficient, but uh, at the moment I'm penciling in Tennessee plus six and a half. Uh, my numbers like it.
1: Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with all that. I mean, last year I, I think I spoke, I banged on about it every week about how defending the run was the Ravens' Achilles' heel. I was massive mm-hmm. on Tennessee to beat the Ravens late in the season. Then again in the in the divisional round, um, Derrick Henry was in beast mode. It just seemed such an obvious, an obvious play. But no such issue this season. The Ravens are, are ranked three defending the run in, in 2020. Only two running backs have, have had over 100 yards rushing against Baltimore. Miles Sanders four weeks ago and Damien Harris last week. I feel like this line in total is spot on and, and should be a really good game, great game to watch, uh, but I just can't find an angle for, for betting. But you're right about um, yeah. Calais Campbell and some of those outs for, for Baltimore because if Derrick Henry has an opportunity, then that's uh, that's good night.
0: Yeah, and I don't normally focus on player outs too much, but more so than ever at the moment, with all these COVID cases just getting mm. up and up and up, I think it's really important to stay on top of the injury reports because kind of a lot of outs kind of just push certain things over the edge in certain matchups. And we'll talk about mm. it in relation to Tampa, Tampa Bay and the, the Rams because think, there's an
1: important uh, thing there as well. Uh, but like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. But I think also, like, We know there are some really good running backs. You've got Dalvin Cook, you've got Josh Jacobs and and some really good running backs. But if there's one guy you don't want to give an extra 1% or 2% advantage to, it's Derek Henry running down the field. Um, Yeah, absolutely.
0: And they really miss Clay Campbell. Like Damian Harris played outstanding last week and they just couldn't stop the run at all. So, I mean, the Patriots offensive line is playing very, very well. But, uh, you know, Tennessee not quite on that level. But still, um, we'll, we'll see what Arthur Smith can draw up. Um, all right, New York Jets at the Charges. The Charges minus eight and a half. The total is 47. Any thoughts on this one?
1: No, nah, nah, this is just gross. Uh, I don't want to borrow yeah. it.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I'll just ask you this, Nick. Are you familiar with the story of Samson and his hair?
1: I'm familiar with the story. Yeah,
0: so I fear this may be the case for uh, Justin Herbert, whose hair may be strength. So he just <laughs> cut his hair, and I'm worried that he's – super quarterbacking power is maybe diminished because he looks like an 11-year-old boy with a buzz cut at the moment um it it's i thought I looked young when I shave and, and cut my hair but boy oh boy uh literally boy um so even the Charves,
1: why, why would he do
0: it why would he risk it you, yeah. he's having the season he's having why would he do yeah. it just such long flowing locks it was just oh Unbelievable shatters, but look, even the charges starting an 11 year old at quarterback isn't enough for me to take the kids here. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna not take the charges either because I'm worried that you know the Samson effect. Um, we need some against the spread stats on um quarterbacks covering you know
1: within short the long same year.
0: week that yeah, whether they've after they've cut their hair. <laughs> so we'll find out next week. Stay tuned. Um, all right, Miami minus three and a half at Denver. This is down at a lot of places, so this is a line from from the us the total is 45 and a half the reason it's down is there's a bit of a question mark on, on drew luck so the broncos will probably go into this game with either brett rippon at quarterback or a banged up drew Luck, who's even if he's healthy he's not really good at all um so pat schumer who might be worse at his job than drew luck will go into this game with a very basic sort of run heavy game plan i think um against the miami dolphins um, who, as we said, the corners are playing outstanding at the moment. And then on the other side of the ball, the Broncos defense, like they're still balling, even though their offense is just giving them nothing. They're, they're respectable 13th in points per drive, despite yeah, some really tough matchups, you know, leading to big point totals in the recent weeks. So I expect Tua to continue his progression, but this is a tough matchup on the road at Denver. Um, so I like the under 45 and a half here. I'm leaning Miami minus three and a half, but given the Broncos' propensity to start slow. I really like Miami minus a half in the first half, which is a dollar dollar eighty six dollar ninety odds. So close to pretty much you know your pick'em odds there. Um, so yeah, that's probably my uh, my strongest play on this game is Miami minus a half in the first half. Um, you can get that out there at the moment. That's where I'm
1: at. Don't mind that logic for the the first half yeah. leap. but uh, yeah, look, I, I love what Miami are doing right now. As we spoke about earlier, but. They've won five straight, but like you said, the, the Broncos in Denver is one of the rougher road trips in the NFL. Even when they're not playing great football, it's still such a tough trip to do and, and to come away with with the points. Um, I, I feel like I, I see your logic with the under. I'm just hesitant to to take an under again this season. Doesn't matter who's playing or where or when, but yeah, the the, the line and the total just seem they're just they're spot on this week, and I just can't find I can't find an angle for this one. Yeah, it's tough. It is. It's a. Tough what does your rating say for this one? Um, I have it
0: spot on. I have Miami minus uh, three and a half, but that's with Drew Lock. So you can take out Brett Ripon, put in mm. Brett Ripon probably goes to minus four. Um, but yeah, I prefer the under. So yeah.
1: it's a
0: tough one. Denver's home field is is a big factor. It's kind of the only one that still has a real high the highest yeah. home field advantage for my my ratings. Yep. Um, all right. Dallas at Minnesota. Minnesota are seven and a half point favorites here. The total is 48 and a half here. Um, my numbers have this Minnesota minus six. Maybe I'm still too low on the Vikings. I don't know. So I'm taking Dallas seven and a half. I don't know why Andy Dalton is back, but I'm trusting my numbers. Um, I think Andy Dalton's back. He's been practicing this week, but I thought Garrett Gilbert was fine. Look, Dallas are off a bike. Minnesota on a short week, so um, I just want to call out Kirk Cousins carrying on during Monday Night Football like he won the Super Bowl. You you beat the Bears in November and you scored 19 points. Just settle down, you got Just
1: Just <laughs> Unlike Kirk Cousins to carry on after a basic bitch victory, isn't it? Yeah, it is very, just, very unlike yeah. him.
0: I, I, so. He's fastly becoming my least favorite quarterback in the NFL. It's just, <laughs> just not a lot. I, you know, I prefer Ryan Tannehill with his wife's rifles in the backseat at this <laughs> point. Of,
1: yeah. I, I love Ryan Tannehill, but yeah, yeah, he's fine. That's that's, a, that's yeah. another day, but yeah, yeah. look, I, I agree. I, I don't know. I don't know where to have you know, where to how to rate the Vikings. I don't know if they're legit. I don't know if they suck. I don't know if they're good. I don't. I just don't know what is happening in Minnesota. I'm leaning them here. Ah. Uh, I don't like seven and a half. I'd prefer six and a half or seven if it comes in. So I'll keep an eye on that one. I'm leaning Minnesota, but it's not a strong player by any means. I do like Dalvin Cook against this um, Dallas defensive line. 150 plus rushing yards, $2.90. He is a little short, so shop around. I think you can probably find some, some better odds closer to uh, to kickoff. Um, but a, a long shot, 175 plus if you like him to, to go big, big this week against Dallas, um, 5 bucks,
0: 175 plus. Yeah, don't mind that at all. All right, let's move on to probably the best game of the afternoon slate here. The Green Bay uh, Packers at the Indianapolis Colts. India, two and a half, or I think it's two now, flat two. I'll change that move since this morning. Uh, flat two um, favorites here. Total is 51 and a half. Uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on this one?
1: anyone who listens to to this podcast knows that I tend to take in in these really kind of one offensive team versus one defensive team kind of these matchups. I tend to take the defensive teams but I'm not sure I can take Indy here. It's just I just can't. I don't feel like I can trust them at all uh, as a favourite and um, yeah, it's a pass for me. All right, Interesting. Interesting.
0: Um, I am taking Green Bay plus two Green Bay money line. Um, I like the Packers here, I don't like the matchup at all. For the Colts, this line moved across zero just so the Packers are actually favourites, but just because the Packers had an ugly win in some really shocking, windy conditions against the Jags, we had a few lucky players on special teams and, and the Packers were kind of just had some had a big touchdown pass call back on a penalty. Just a few things just did not go the Packers' way last week. Um, and look, they were outdoors. It was just... One of those games where you just walk in, get the win, and and leave. You don't really take too much away from from a um, team point of view, I think. And Rodgers, they go back indoors here, play against a zone defense, and fully take advantage of Devontae Adams lining up against Xavier Rhodes, who he just dominated for years. Probably one of the main reasons Minnesota let him go, Uh, potentially, was Devontae Adams. Um, So Alan Lazard's back as well. Um, so Rodgers will have a full arsenal of weapons here on offense. Um, and I just don't think the Colts are really built to come back from big leads here as well. Um, they do get Komoko Toure back on defense, who was lighting it up before he got injured last year. So that is a big thing. But if they can dominate sort of the line of scrimmage, then they might have a chance here. But my numbers have this Green Bay minus a half. I think they should be favored here. Look, the Colts are impressive versus the Titans last week. But, you know, the special teams was a massive factor and Tennessee shot themselves in a foot a lot. Um, I don't know what they're doing with their punter. Trevor Daniel after Ryan Allen had a great game the week before. Not sh- really sure Green Bay are as incompetent in that regard, although they are 22nd in special teams. Um, but Tennessee are 31st. Um, but yeah, I like the I like the Packers here. And it's going to be funny because everyone will start to fret on the Colts here, but it's just not a good matchup for them. But they're still... Mm. All they need to do is beat the Titans next week. And I think that's what they're thinking about. And that gives them a Sort of one and a half game lead in in the in the division, so uh, this might be kind of an ugly game for them. And then you get more value next week.
1: Um, on Potentially,
0: the road Pot- I've got a of, against the ten
1: against the Titans. I've got a couple of Colts questions for you. Yeah, Michael Pittman has he overtaken yep. Ty Hilton? Yes, I think so. Um, and secondly, we, we spoke about last week the best wide receiver in the NFL. If you had to pick one. Who are you taking, DeAndre Hopkins or Devontae Adams? Oh, man, I'm still
0: taking Devontae, even though Hopkins <laughs> was amazing. I'm sorry. I just, oh. The route running is just unbelievable. <laughs> sorry.
1: Um sorry. Yeah, you can't but, go wrong, can you? Devontae did right nothing
0: around. wrong. Like, he did nothing wrong last week. He played no. injured and still had a great game. But um, I think T.Y. Hilton's done. He's just not a good quarterback for, for – or done in India. I just don't think he's the right quarterback to have – um, sort of the right wide receiver story to have to Philip rivers just doesn't quite work. Whereas Pittman's a little bit more bigger and kind of in mm. that Keenan Allen mold. He's kind of, it's kind of weird. He's like a, it's like a Michael Thomas light. Like he's a big guy, but he's still quick and, and runs good slants and he still hasn't found the end zone yet. So I'm hoping he does. I, I love Michael Pittman. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether he still lines up in the slot when Paris Campbell comes back, who I think's even better in the slot. So he's more of a good match for Philip Rivers. So until they get him back or if he's coming back at all, who knows? But, yeah, I, I think it's a big Green Bay week this week, for, for the, unfortunately, for Indy. <laughs> I Rodgers has a big one. Um, I'll mention that in my long shots. All right, moving on. Um, Sunday Night Football, Kansas City minus 7.5 at Las Vegas. Total is 56.5. What's your thoughts?
1: Uh well, the Raiders are the only team to have beaten the Chiefs so far this season. So you imagine that that Mahomes and co. will be wanting some payback for that one loss. But, yep. you know, we, we spoke about them earlier. The Raiders are playing great football right now, um, underrated and, and just playing really good football. But there are a lot of players that are potentially missing, um, still TBC guys on on the Raiders' end. Um, so it's a no play yep. for me at the moment.
0: And it- and the Chiefs end. Um, oh, yeah, the two starting tackles for the Chiefs are on the COVID-19 IR list at the moment as well. So that's that's kind of massive. But thankfully, well, not thankfully, but luckily for the Chiefs potentially is a lot of the, the, the Raiders players uh, on the defensive line. Yeah. So it kind of mitigates those two, cancels out those two sort of COVID emissions there. So there's a lot of variables here with both. So this is very much a wait for game day to see what you take here. But I think if it gets to flat seven or under seven, then the chiefs will be the play for me. Um, I think the chiefs have been holding back in some games against kind of lesser opponents. I feel like they're keeping a lot of their good plays and a lot of their cards close to the chest for the playoffs. I think they're just worried about getting wins and, and no injuries against a lot of these teams, but I think it's a little different here with the Raiders. You know, they got the win last time and Andy Reid's had to buy. He's 18 and three off the buy in his career. He also beat the Raiders 40 to nine last year off the buy. So uh <laughs> It's also the, the next game. The Chiefs haven't been on primetime since they pummeled the Ravens, so I think they like to put on a show a little bit in primetime. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I don't know. Pat Mahomes kind of strikes me as a guy that like likes to kind of mm. show off and
1: show off yeah. a little bit,
0: which is cool because he's a baller. like I like that. I 100%. That. And, and I reckon yeah.
1: it, we're just coming into that, that time of the year when they're just starting to shift gears. I yeah. reckon it starts, they, start, they start putting the foot down now. But uh, the big question is if, if these – Guys on, on the Raiders' defense, what is there, six or seven of them at the moment on that yep. COVID precaution list at the moment? Yes, yeah, six COVID defenders. IR, yeah. Six defenders, and they're all starters, right, on the, the Raiders' defense? Pretty much. It's safety, Jonathan Abraham,
0: Malik Collins, Jonathan Hankins, Isaiah Johnson, Arden Key, and Kendall Vickers, um, as well as uh, – I can't remember. Trent Brown's on there as well. Hmm. I and think Little, Corey, Littl- Corey Littleton was also put on it,
1: so – if they all miss just everyone if they all miss do they delay the game do they postpone do they like this isn't the this isn't the Niners from a few weeks ago who had a couple oh, of yeah. COVID outs but the rest of their roster was banged up and, and injured this is
0: yeah. all COVID they probably should have they probably missed their window to shift Green Bay Indy to Sunday Night Football and put them back in the pack in, in, in case they did have to cancel it mm. um, but I, I think there's not quite as many to go ahead but I don't know. The NFL is so reactionary rather than precautionary. It's just unbelievable, really. Just the mind boggles. Like you've had six months of this COVID thing and you're still only just developing new plans on the run now. It just seems bizarre to me. But anyway, um, but, yeah, uh, I like the Chiefs, but just waiting for that number. Um, won't be a play for the podcast, unfortunately, but wait and see. Um, all right, Rams at Tampa Bay. This is Monday Night Football. Tampa Bay are three-and-a-half-point favorites here. The total is forty-eight and a half. What's your thoughts on this?
1: Another great game. We've had some yeah. incredible games Crackers. to talk about yeah. so far this week, I and mean, this should, this is another one. Um, I'm leaning the bucks, but only just, i not not confident on it at all. Like I said, I think the Rams are a really, really well-rounded franchise at the moment. I think they're doing they're doing everything very well. I mean, maybe not everything elite, but they're doing everything very well. Um, it should be a great game to watch. I just can't. I, I want to go the Bucks. Part of me wants to go the Rams, but I just, yeah, I can't take this line at all.
0: Yeah, I, I lean Tampa Bay minus three and a half. I have this Tampa Bay minus five, but I'm waiting on some injury news, in particular Ali Marpet, who is just so crucial for the Bucks in this game because if he's not playing, then Aaron Donald's impact in this game is just magnified. And, you know, if he's, if he's out, then it's just a no play for me because we know that Brady struggles with interior pressure. It's what the saints have done. It's what the bears did against him this season in their losses. So if Aaron Donald can dominate, you know, their backup center, it's just dominate that point of attack and slow this offense down and, and, you know, force turnovers or force a lot of threes and outs. Then I think this dramatically shifts the game. So, it's pretty crazy that I'm waiting for the news on a safety, but Ali Marpet is just having a, a career year, and he's kind of been a an all pro or Pro Bowl level, you know, center this season. He's kind of the key cog to this offensive line in the middle. is is the longer serving vet I believe on that line, so he's kind of the heart and soul of that offensive line. And then at the same time, you know, looking on the other side of the ball, Goff's going to be under more and more pressure now with Andrew Whitworth going down. He was their best offensive lineman. Um, so I do think the Bucs will have some success getting a lot of pressure on golf who's even worse under pressure than Tom Brady. We saw it against Miami, um, plenty of turnovers, plenty of, you know, fumbles. So purely a wait and see for me. But if, you know, temp, if Marpet plays and Tampa Bay is still sitting there under four or, and three and a half, then I'll, I'll take Tampa Bay at home here. Um, I kind of lean the under because just because both these offensive lines should struggle against the defensive lines in terms of the matchup. But, that also kind of gives you short field opportunities as well uh, for sort of defensive turnovers or touchdowns. So I'm probably going to avoid, um, I think I'm eliminating it to one under a week and I'm sticking with Denver.
1: (laughs) Um, Which is too hard in the modern NFL. And and another, another matchup that's going to go some ways to, to, you know, giving us some indication into who's legit in the NFC. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about the the Bucks for, for weeks, and we knew that this stretch was going to be kind of their litmus test. They failed week yeah. one against the Saints. Had a win last week, but yeah, the Rams are kind of, the Rams are not yeah, test. It's, it's kind of crucial for the playoff picture as well.
0: I mean, with Saints without Breeze, you know, there's an opportunity. The window, the door, slightly open for Tampa mm. Bay here to, to get back in that division and force the Saints to go on the road in the playoffs. And then for the Rams, you know, every win's crucial when you've got three teams fighting for a division title. So. Um, yeah, it's a cracker. I can't wait for this game. I just will have to mute the commentary. It's just getting a bit, getting a bit much with uh, the old Bucks games. Um, all right, lock of the week: uh, Cincinnati plus one and a yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. Really struggled finding one this week, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. I mean, if I was wasn't having doubts about New England, I'd join you.
1: But I uh, just, I don't know. It's tough. No, that's okay. I think if you know, that's that's the strategy. That's how we that's how we yeah, determine how what we the lock of the week is, is what we what we agree on. So yeah, that, it is All what right. it is this week. It is what it is. Uh what are your best bets and long shots to wrap things up? Uh the Saints without Drew Brees minus five. New England to run and run and run and run and run. Houston off the field, New England minus two and a half, and as we just said, Cincinnati. With the points. Yep. Long shots? Um, just got the two this week. It was hard to, hard to find some long yep. shots this week. I'm going half the half the unit on Big Ben, 350 plus passing yards at $6, and half the unit on Dalvin Cook going big time, 175 plus rushing yards at $5. Nice. So, yeah, go big or
0: go home with the long shots this week. Um, all right, my best bets are Green Bay plus two um, against the Colts, you can take the money line as well if you prefer that, um, if that if that goes. If anything over $2, I think that should be faves. Over 50 in the uh, Saints-Falcons game as opposed to the line. Um, just banking on maybe some Winston magic on both sides of the field potentially. And I'm actually taking a first half line here for my best bets. Uh, Miami minus a half against uh, Denver. So just basically Miami to win the first half. <laughs> Against Denver. Is the first time that's happened Um, on this podcast?
1: uh,
0: A first half line. I've tipped it up previously. Um, I think it was one of the best bets. Not Not in the best best. bets, though. Um, I just, confidence is wavering a little bit. There wasn't like Dallas are a play, but I'm not putting Dallas (laughs) as a best bet (laughs) at this point of the season. I like it. I like it. I might even have a little play at it. Yeah, so uh, there we go. Uh, And long shots. Uh, I've got $10 Miami minus three and a half and under 45 and a half at a 370. Um, the line and total double was, has been pretty good for me, actually, this season, surprisingly. Um, and then $5 Aaron Rodgers, 350-plus passing yards at 375 against the Colts. And then I'm going to go with a Thursday night football here um, against against the Seattle you know, porous defense, taking Christian Kirk for two-plus touchdowns at 11 bucks um, with the remaining half or quarter of a unit here in the long shots play. So that, uh, that wraps us up. Nick, um, good show, plenty of plenty of talking points, but uh, I'm hoping Week 11 will be uh, more beneficial to our wallets and our listeners' wallets
1: as well after a rough couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of gotten to the point over the last few weeks where we've preferred spending more time on the talking points than the bets because we've just lost confidence in uh, in ourselves. Yeah. But hopefully, this is the turning point and uh, start yeah. a bit of a roll now. We uh, we right the
0: ship, um, and then if not, then uh, we can join uh, Bill O'Brien on the field as uh, Bill's <laughs> Bill number five and six as a way to embarrass six Bills uh, with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, dunking all over us there. But that wraps up the show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at PuntReturnPod. You can follow me at JYNFL. And follow Nick Splitter as well at Nick Splitter. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, give us a share and a like. And, uh, and we'll be back next week to talk all things Week 12.